Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Today, what I want to talk about, I've, I've talked about this before, There's a, every story in the Bible is an old one to us, right? <laughs> Even to me. And, <clears throat> and this story is a very familiar one, but it's one that I think... The body of Christ um, needs to hear because we need to understand and apply and administer mercy. And this is a story about a, a young man that was the son and an heir to the king of Israel. He was the son of Jonathan, um, grandson of Saul, and his name was Mephibosheth. And to, to put this into perspective, we have to understand the relationship between David and Jonathan. Now, David, you remember Saul? Saul was stupid. You know, he just, he offered sacrifices when he should. He knew better, right? And, and he, did, he did things against the will of God, and God the punishment was, Saul, you're just not going to be king anymore. And, you know, the, the thing that came to my mind with this is, you know, we're, and I hate, I don't hate, keep, we're in transition, right? Well, the transition from Saul to David was a pretty tough one. You know, David became anointed to be king, and it was, I don't know what the time span was, but for a long time, Saul sought to kill him. And Saul's son, Jonathan, became a very close friend of David's. And we find, just as a little background, if you go to 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter, read a few verses here to get started. So 1 Samuel 20, verse 1 says, And David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Verse 3, And David sware moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved, but truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And then Jonathan said unto David, whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. And if you drop that down then to verse 16, it says, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of, the house of David, saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So the relationship between David and Jonathan um, points out what a friendship. You know, <clears throat> I've never had a lot of close friends in the world. And it's, uh, and I don't say that to, to, uh, to brag or anything, but 
the people that I've been close to have been right here in the house of God, in, the, in God's kingdom. They're the ones that I've been closest with. And there is a bond there that can't be accomplished in the world because you, your body, mind, and spirit are all focused on one thing, and that is living for God. And so our closest friends, I think, should be right here. In, and when I say right here, I mean in the kingdom, in the, in the family of God, in the body of Christ. That's where we should, should pick our friends. And so this friendship was exemplary of how our friendships should be. You know, that we, we cover for one another, we, we care for one another. And when I say we cover for one another, I mean we cover one another in prayer. We, we build hedges, <clears throat> pray umbrellas over one another of, of protection and blessing. I can see it here because I can see right through the pulpit. <laughs> so, you get old, you need these too. So, that, I, I just think it's an awesome thing that David and Jonathan had that kind of a friendship. And then. <clears throat> So Saul and Jonathan were both killed in battle. Jonathan was heir to the throne. He probably deserved it. He probably earned it. But God had other plans, and he anointed David. And so after the death of Saul and Jonathan, David became king of Israel. And so... Before we get into the story, I just want to point out a scripture in Galatians 6 and 7. That is, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Never forget that. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You sow into good things, you reap good things. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, right? So it's a very simple principle, but it's a very powerful one. And that, to use Brother Rob Meyer's term, it's immutable. It's, nothing's going to change it. That's just the way it is. And so you can, you can try to work things out, but you reap what you sow. It's that simple. So then we get to the story of David and Mephibosheth. And what David is sowing here is something that we'll pick up on. So if you turn to 2 Samuel, the ninth, ninth chapter, let's read this. And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Okay, here's the way it worked back in the days of kings. You became king, you killed every heir, every relative, anybody that had anything to do with the previous um, previous group of leaders that were part of the 
the family of the king. There, that was typically done. You kill those that are behind so you don't have to worry about military coups and things like that. It's just the way it was done. So right off here, this is a departure from what's normally done because David is saying, is there any, are there yet any that are left from the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Here it is. Because of his friendship with Jonathan and the promises they made to one another, David is doing this for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, and the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. Then David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth unto Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, for thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both feet. So contrary to this practice of killing those who preceded him as king, David wanted to show kindness to Saul's house. The word, the Hebrew word used for kindness is, I'll spell it, K-H-E-H-C-S-E-D, chesed, something like that, which is possibly better translated loving kindness, which really perfectly describes the relationship between God and his people, a deep, 
and lasting covenant relationship. That's kindness. So why show kindness? Well, for Jonathan's sake. Friendship. David was a man of his word. He made a promise. He made a covenant with Jonathan and he kept it. And so here's what we learn about Mephibosheth. The first thing we see in 2 Samuel 9 and 3, and the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. The last thing we hear about Mephibosheth in Samuel 9, 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. So Saul's servant Ziba was the one that brought to David that was brought to David to to determine if there were any of Saul's descendants left to whom he could show kindness. And when Ziba tells him about Mephibosheth in verse three, he tells the first thing he tells David he's a cripple. And I can just hear the conversation, so King, yeah, there's a son, but he's not quite right. He's, he's probably not the kind of person you want to have hanging around the king's court. He's just a cripple. David's response was not, well, <clears throat> how bad is he? I mean, is he going to embarrass us if he's here? Is... Uh, just how bad is it? That He wasn't concerned about that. What he said is, where is he? So <clears throat> the story of how Mephibosheth became crippled is in 2 Samuel 4. It says, now, <clears throat> again, because the practice was to kill descendants of the king after Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. Mephibosheth was a young, a very young lad. And so in 2 Samuel 4 and 4, it says Saul's son Jonathan had a son whose feet were crippled. He was five years old when the report about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. The one who had nursed him picked him up and fled, but as she was hurrying to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. So the nurse attending to Mephibosheth hears of the death of Saul and Jonathan and knows what's going to happen to this little guy if she stays where she is. If they find him, she knows he's going to be killed. So her her intentions were good. She picks him up and begins to run and something terrible happens. It's one of those accidents that have tragic consequences. The boy's dropped, his feet are damaged, and he can't walk. Now get this. The name Mephibosheth means shame. In those days, your name meant everything. Now our names are pretty random. My name's Clifford. I guess if it was the Hebrew times, I'd be the big red dog. 
you can't, I hear that all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's shame. My name might as well be Mephibosheth. But his name meant shame, and he was crippled on top of it. So, at, you know, at this time, when this kind of thing happened, this kind of injury, it was because the gods were judging you. You know, if you remember, even in the New, New Testament, where, you know, um, there would be people with, with uh, ailments and deformities, and, well, what did their parents do that would cause them to have this, this problem, right? So it's quick, we're quick sometimes to, to come to jump to conclusions that just because you have some problems, God is against you. But that's not the case. So, <clears throat> so in this case, Mephibosheth went to a place, and that place is called Lodabar. Now, lo means pasture, and debar, I'm sorry, lo means no, and debar means pasture. Lodabar is a dry and desolate place. So when Mephibosheth's nurse fled with him, she went as far away from normal civilization in an attempt to have a safe place for Mephibosheth to grow up. Remember, he was five years old when, when this happened. So he's in a remote and God-forsaken place that's a perfect hiding place if you're somebody like him. So <clears throat> here's this little guy whose name carries shame in the middle of nowhere, and David says, bring him to me. So Mephibosheth is older now. And we know that because in verse uh, where is it here? 12. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. So this is some years later now. And Mephibosheth is older. And he's been hanging out in the wilderness for all these years. And he looks on the horizon. And he sees this royal entourage coming toward him. And this isn't likely going to be good news. And so <clears throat> the horror, to his horror, the entourage is King David's entourage. So you've got to imagine what's going through his mind as he sees this group of people coming toward him. He figures this is the death squad. This is going to be the end of it for me. And <clears throat> so he's, he might have been thinking, well, I've lived longer than I thought I would, but now I guess it's over. So as the entourage arrives, they, they ask him, and they ask him, are you Mephibosheth? And he says, yes. And they say, the king wants to see you. So the next thing you know, he's before King David. So what does he do? He probably does the same thing that you and I would do if we were, if we were just terrified and scared witless about what was about to happen to us. He got down in front of David in a posture of humility and he said, I'm your servant. Now here are two words that David utters in 2 Samuel 9 and 7 
that changes everything for Mephibosheth. He says, fear not. I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. So, here's Mephibosheth about to receive something, number one, that he didn't deserve, number two, that he couldn't earn, number three, that he could never repay, and it's happening because of what someone else is doing for him. Does this sound familiar? What we have, we don't deserve. What we have, we can't earn. What we have, we could never repay. And it's all because of what Christ did for us. This is what's cool about the Old Testament. Brother Rob teaches a lot out of it. It's, there's just so many types and shadows of things that are going to come. This is a perfect type of Christ in how he and what he did for us when we didn't deserve it, couldn't earn it, couldn't pay for it, and never um, could do anything that might just earn it. So in, in 2 Samuel 9 and 7 says, And David said unto him, Fear not, for, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan your father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now this is Israel, the land of promise. So he's getting land and he's getting lots of it. In, a, in just a moment of time, Mephibosheth has become a very wealthy individual. He's been given an, an inheritance in the land, that, the promised land of God. So, so those are the first words. Fear not, I'm going to show you kindness. Well, it gets better. It says, David says, I'm not only going to give you land, but I'm going to give you your dignity. So he said, I get it. I understand your name means shame, but you're going to eat at my table. And to be invited to the king's table was an extremely high honor. But it even gets better than that. Mephibosheth, not only are you going to eat at my table, but you're going to be treated just like one of my sons. He's going to have a family. So, again, this is a perfect example. You know, before, before Jesus went to the cross, we Gentiles were dogs. But now, we are adopted. Just like Mephibosheth was going to be treated as a son, that's the way we're treated. We are the son... You know, we're sons and daughters of the king, right? So again, it's another perfect example of what Jesus did for us. What David did for Mephibosheth is very similar to what Jesus did for us. We are adopted into his family. So <clears throat> here's Mephibosheth in the king's palace eating at his table because somebody fetched him and carried him out of Lodabar. 
He's in a beautiful place with an ugly problem. He's been delivered, but he's still damaged. And he's been properly carried out of Lodabar. His position has changed, but his condition has not. He's still a cripple. He's still lame on his feet. Can't walk. So he's been delivered, but he's still got his problems. So just like some of us are here today, we're in a new position, but we're still broken. We're in the palace, but we're broken. We've been delivered, but we're damaged. We have stuff from our past, from our old lives that hang on. We struggle with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, right? And we're in the right position. We're in the We're in the church, in the kingdom of God. We've been translated out of darkness into his marvelous light, but we still, some of us, are broken. And how can I be in the place, carry it all of that, having endured all of that, be delivered and still damaged? Mephibosheth had been damaged as a little boy. He's damaged now because of something that happened when he was a young child. And he trusted his nurse, and in her haste to escape, she dropped him and broke both his feet. So have you ever been dropped by somebody that you trusted? We have people in church delivered but broken because somebody else dropped them. We're like Mephibosheth in that we're in the palace, but we lay on the floor like a dead dog and are not ready to receive what God has prepared, which is a table where we can dine with him. So I still have this temper I have to work on that I shouldn't. Sometimes I struggle with forgiveness, forgiving others for things that they've done to me. But yet I can come and sit at the king's table. You know how many people are in this church that are probably still suffering from things that are like Mephibosheth that have been, that have been broken at some point in their life? So while you're dealing with the damage, God's sitting at the table. So we have to get up off the floor. Mephibosheth started on the floor and ended up at the table. And, <clears throat> but he was still damaged. You know, nobody in their right mind accepts a package from UPS or the postal service that's been damaged, right? You send it back. But God, who's rich in mercy, has said, I'm gonna pick you up and in spite of your problem, I'm going to help you get to the table. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I counted not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Forget the past. There's a place that's been prepared for you. You may be crippled, crippled, but you're a king's kid. 
You may be broken, but you're a child of the king. You may be seeing yourself as a dog, but you are still a child of the king. When you have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a child of the king. You are no longer an orphan, but you are now a son. So, Mephibosheth sat down at the tables, and get this, he ate meals he didn't cook. He had land he didn't purchase. He lived in a palace he didn't build. He sat at the table with the other king's kids. And when you saw Mephibosheth from the waist up, everything looked fine. But when you pick up the tablecloth and look underneath, you still see that he was lame in his feet. Mephibosheth never was able to walk ever. So we are delivered but damaged. So I say thank you, God, for your great grace, your great patience, your great mercy. Thank you for... for adopting me and allowing me to be a part of the family of God. So again, we come back to Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. What you sow, you're going to reap. So the big thing, the big takeaway on this is is this. Show mercy. Sow mercy. I've got a video here that I'd like to have him play. So, <clears throat> again, blessed are the merciful because they will obtain mercy. And we reap what we sow. David sowed mercy. And if you remember, even in his darkest hour, when he had committed a great, great sin before God, he still found mercy. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.